Hey everybody, welcome to The Afterword. I'm Dave Tish. This week, we started a brand new sermon series called Compassion Immersion. It is uh, a staple around here at Westgate. If you've been around for a while, you know that Compassion Immersion has been part of our church calendar for years and years. Typically, it was like, for a long time, it was in the month of August, and then we kind of moved it to January, and we kind of move it around, and we kind of try to drip in stories of the global and local church and our supported missionaries and ministry partners and the work that God is doing through ordinary people like you and I who just say, hey, listen, I'm going to take Jesus seriously. I'm going to take um, and I'm going to live like him, and I'm going to try to bring the kingdom into bear any way that I possibly can. So, you know, as a pastoral staff, we've been talking for a long time about this, and and it's one of my convictions and one of our convictions that actually compassion um, and the work of, of compassion is one of the best apologetics that we have in our post-Christian society. In a world that's largely skeptical, if not hostile toward Christianity, the question that our culture is asking um, folks like us who, who go to church, who are part of a religious community, is not, is what you believe true? The question they're asking is, is it good? And um, I, I'm reminded of a number of years ago when the mayor of a, a major U.S. city was asked about the role of religion in public life. And he said, the, follow, the mayor said this, this, this quote, don't speak to me about your religion. First, show it to me and how you treat other people. Don't preach to me your passion for your faith. Teach me through your compassion for your neighbors. In the end, I'm not as interested in what you have to tell or sell as I am in how you choose to live and give. And whether or not you agree with that sentiment from that mayor, the, the bottom line is a lot of people in our culture really are asking that question, and that's how they view it in our post-Christian world. And so we have the opportunity in CI to really introduce the beauty and the goodness of Jesus and his compassion. Uh, again, as, as, as simple Jesus people, we're just trying to live like Jesus. We try to love what's right, to do what's right, and to set things right. Are we perfect? No, we're not, but that's, that's the animating reason. We do what we do because of Jesus. He loved what was right. He did what was right. He set things right, and we want to be people of compassion and mercy and justice and goodness and bring that into the world as well. And that's why CI is such um, an amazing, amazing thing. And so I'm just excited about CI. I really do think it's a beautiful apologetic. And at, this week, I have a chance to, to talk to Kayvon Tarani. Kayvon is our global compassion pastor. So it's his job, in large part, to spend a ton of money. This year, Westgate gave $1.75 million outside of our walls to our ministry partners and to our, our missionaries, our supported missionaries, to do incredible work uh, and, and if you haven't yet, you can pick up a book that we put together for you. It's kind of a coffee table book. It's beautifully designed by our very own Jesse Barnes, our graphic designer, who did an incredible job laying it out. It is beautiful. It's filled with pictures and graphs and incredible stories. I got to actually get a chance to interview and look through all the missionary reports and, and, and put the words together. And it was just an incredible joy to write it because it was so inspiring. So make sure and pick that up. That's available at all of our campuses for the next couple of of weeks. So if you're you're not quarantining and you're not hit by Omicron and you're and you're comfortable coming to church, we'd love to have you. They're going to be in our lobby for the next couple of weeks. You can grab one and that tells even more stories. But Kayvon is stopping by to share some of the stories from the globe, across the globe uh, of the work that was done in the past year. Kayvon is intimately uh, acquainted with all this and he has some incredible stories to tell. And so join us right now as we delve into um, the week one of Compassion Immersion with Kayvon Tarani, our global compassion pastor, as we hear stories about God working and moving in and across the globe. Let's dive in. 
All right, well, hey everyone, welcome to the afterward. I'm here. Oh, I'm excited. This is the first week of Compassion Immersion, and I'm here live with Kayvon Tarani, our global compassion pastor. Kayvon, man, so good to have you. Awesome to be here, my friend. Okay, so first of all, there's just some general questions I think that I not I don't have the questions. I just want people to know what exactly is going on. How long have you been working at Westgate as kind of the global compassion person in charge of that? Yeah, about 43 years. Shut up. Um, no. <laughs> it does feel <laughs> okay, that I way. A little exaggeration, but actually I'm coming up on my 12th anniversary at Westgate, oh, February my. 1st. So I began February 1st of 2010 to be in this position. And I think I might be one of the only people on staff that has never switched positions. Like they don't <laughs> offer me anything else. They just want me to do missions. Well, no it's just because you're that good. No other honors, no other uh, jobs. <laughs> just, just work with our global people. Yeah. <laughs> Um, now, one of the things that's interesting about it is um, you've basically had two things that you've had over those 12 years. You've had a board, um, and that it's called the Go Board or the Correct. Global Outreach Global, global Outreach Board. Global uh -huh. Outreach Board. And that board kind of looks at, vets, and examines the ministry partners that we have across the globe, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it is an all-volunteer board uh, that we began, and it, prior to me coming on this uh the staff at Westgate, there was an existing board as well, but we have term limits. So after um, uh, six years or so, people term off. So this is not like the lifetime uh, right, right, right. Uh, Supreme Court. They, they uh, <laughs> roll off. And so these are just people who are faithful leaders and servants, kind-hearted people on our staff. Uh, some of them have connections through mission trips or in other ways are able to connect with me. And, and so we have this uh, all-volunteer board of, of Westgaters who help really navigate the decisions that are made outside of our sure, walls. It's, sure, it's sure. actually not made by pastors and it's not made by Steve or myself. It's made by a volunteer board of Westgaters who say, you know, this is a worthy cause that we want to come alongside of. And I'm one of six voices on that board right now. And sometimes we're up to about nine. So between six and nine or so is where we land typically. And, and these are people who just have a deep passion for the global church, a deep passion for missions, a, G a deep passion for compassion. Absolutely. Um, just people who just care, yeah. who, who love Westgate, who yeah. love, uh, what our missionaries and what our, our our mission and vision is to really be light and salt to the world, uh, loving God, loving our neighbor, loving one another. And so they've just really taken that mandate, especially the uh, loving our neighbor uh, as ourselves, and kind of expounded yeah. that through the giving of our church. Yeah. Uh, two other questions. Uh, first, um, you have a, kind of a list of general. Well, first of all, how many supported global missionaries? And you have you have two terms. You have like supported missionaries and then partners, right? So yes, how many yes. of their it's it's like uh, how many yes. other are there? We do, and there's some distinctions between that. The global supported missionaries are our local and global missionaries that are supported monthly. So they're right. given the same gift by Westgate every month. Um, these are people, these are projects and people that we've vetted for many, many years right. um, and have had relationship with and have seen their work, trusted their work and come alongside of them. Those are about 38, somewhere between 37 and 38 any given year. Wow. Uh, then we have partners. Uh, we have many, many, many partners. So those are, are full-time supported missionaries that we support monthly and that's yes. 38 of them. And that's not just global, but that's local too. Local as well. Yes. We Got have it. 12 local that we support as well. 12 wonderful groups right here in the South Bay area, which we consider our little Jerusalem that we support right. on a monthly basis. And uh, not all of their support. We, we're probably about 10%, five to 10% of their support that they raise. And then we have uh, missionary partners or ministry partners that are also doing fantastic work, uh, but they're not given monthly, but they're given at different times of the year, maybe a yearly gift or booster gifts or 
fundraising gifts or project gifts that they come to us for as well. And some of these partners can become missionaries in the future. Right, Usually right. most of our missionaries start off in the partner category. And after three to four, five, six years, then we graduate them into our missionary category. Once we have some attrition and some of the missionaries that we have had either retire or change their scope of work or, you know, close shop or whatever it is that, that happens. Right. Uh, and so that's one of the ways we are able to sustain many, many more people uh, as well in partners in our partner category. Right, right. So uh, one of the things that's also true about this, this go board that you, you hope oversee is you give away more money than anyone else on staff. Your budgets are like hundreds of thousands of dollars. So yeah, we're privileged. Westgate is such a generous and giving church. We're, uh, we have three, really three buckets of, 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 of funding, which a lot of churches only, uh, only dedicate one at most to missions. Uh, we have what we call loud, which most people know is our missions fund. Right. And so this is a, a fund that uh, people give to that a hundred percent of it goes outside of our walls. We typically raise that fund during compassion immersion, but people give throughout the year. They don't just give one time, they give uh, ongoing as well. Some have given over 10 years to the same, to, the, to this loud fund. Uh, it's, uh, and so that's where the primary source of our income for global work goes, global and local work comes from. Beautiful day and all of our projects and schools and buildings and missionary support. Um, anything that we do for COVID relief, disaster relief, comes from this project called Loud. So because people give ahead of time when disasters happen, we don't have to wait for them to uh, uh, to uh, get permission to give money to the tornado zones or the, the the hurricane zones or the you know earthquake zones. We're able to give it right away. Like when Haiti happened, literally within 30 hours, we had funds going to Haiti. Um, You're talking I mean, about earlier this year. Oh yeah, just earlier this year. This is yeah. August. That we had, they had another earthquake and we were able to send funds within 30 hours. I mean, we didn't have to wait even for a Sunday morning right. service to tell people, hey, by the way, we want to raise money for this. We gave it to them before the Sunday service even happened. Right. The second pool is uh, that we have Advent Conspiracy, which we just raised uh, a, a crazy load amount from. Over 750 plus thousand dollars. Exactly. Over 700,000 yeah. came because of our Giving Good campaign to support water wells. So this is a dedicated fund. Uh, this for water to support missionaries it is any kind of water project yeah, yeah. to help impoverished people who don't may not have good clean safe drinking water uh, to prevent diseases give them longevity and preach the gospel so now that's the second pool this year by far we've raised the most that we have of any yeah year. i've never the, we usually are in the two to four hundred thousand range and yeah, now we're seven fifty now we're seven fifty so yeah, thank crazy. you Wesley. you guys are amazing and the third, which is 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 much less known, is that also the elders dedicate a portion of the tithe. And Just the general budget. The general, the general budget. Westgate budget. Part of exactly. that goes to loud. It does. And yeah. so they give us the opportunities, the go board opportunities to uh, request funds from the general budget, which is dedicated in a separate fund as well. And any given year between three hundred to five hundred thousand dollars of the general fund is also dedicated towards work outside of our walls or even a little more up to six hundred thousand. So uh, we're blessed to have uh, eldership and leadership pastors who have been very generous, very giving and have a vision, not just for what happens within our uh, yeah. you know, the four corners of our building, uh, they believe that a lot of what Westgate is, is what happens outside of our walls. And that's why this is so important. And that's why it's important for people to know it's you guys who are making some of these decisions with us. You know, it's, it's, it's uh, the, the Westgate, the board, the go board is Westgaters who are making these, uh, these right. amazing decisions to support uh, these projects and people. But one other thing that is kind of interesting about it, there's, uh, as I understand it, as I look through the budgets, um, there's zero overhead. 100% of this money goes outside of our walls because your salary and the support staff 
that the Westgate covers that. It's not part of the loud. Yes. Budget. yes. We're really, we're really. So uh, it's a hundred percent, a hundred percent of the money. If somebody gives a dollar to loud, uh, $1 will leave our church. It exactly. will not be spent. That, so there's really, no administrative cost or no administrative true. overhead. It isn't. No, we want to keep that very separate uh, that our salaries, my admin or anybody else's salaries that are related to this do not come out of our, right. um, out of our loud fund. And so sometimes people count that towards missions. Right. Uh, it's kind of, kind of, kind of gray area there. I know there's some churches. Well, who I do think that. a lot of organizations would say that, you know, the CEO and all the people that work, that's part of their operation budget. Yes, and they would say we have a, the, and the, you know, most nonprofits try to keep that around 10 or 15%, uh, which is good. That's good. Yeah. I mean, that's part of it, yeah. but you're exactly. saying this is 100%. Exactly. And this, this year, and this year was no, sorry. And this year, I mean, 2021, 2020 to 2021. So last yes. fiscal year, yes. uh, the amount given outside of our walls to the loud fund and to all the other stuff was 1.75 million dollars. Yes, it was, which uh, is a number amount. equivalent to 25 percent of the operational budget of the church. Which yes, most church. I, I I think I did some research on this. The latest info I had was that the average church gives away about two percent. It's still correct. Yes. Of their budget uh, the to mission. Church in America gives about 2%. And we're trying uh, to do 50, but we got to 25, which is incredible. Yeah. Yes, we're, we're trying. Uh, you know, it's a difficult task to be able to get to that 50 number. We've done it one year, uh, but that was pretty <laughs> remarkable. Uh, we had a large 50-50 campaign, which we did when we built our building. Uh, and we said, hey, what if we raised half of what we raised went out to the uh, world and half of it went yeah. to pay off our building debt? And that year we raised $4 million. Yeah, uh, for a building and uh, and the elders generously had, were faithful and they said, wow, we're going to give two million towards outside of our wall. So we were able to really give a tremendous amount of money outside of our walls that one year. Um, and we've consistently stayed between 25 and, and 35, 40%, yeah. uh, 40 <laughs> yeah. or so, uh, yeah. a, a number that's equivalent to our general budget. Uh, and so, yeah, we want to give more. We want to yeah. bless more. As we're blessed, we want to be more of a well, blessing. Well, we live and in we, a wealthy area, Kayvon. I mean, this is yeah. a this is a wealthy area. And so if you're wealthy, the, the mandate is not, hey, feel bad about being wealthy. It's being incredibly generous. And yes. I think the church mandate. Now, one of the other thing that's interesting about this is there's a little bit of Silicon Valley sensibility to this go board into you guys, which is um, in, in Silicon Valley talk, it's return on investment. You have a list of parameters, um, it basically bang for buck. Um, and that determines where you put money and what kind of projects and what kind of missionaries you engage with. And um, so you, I don't know how you developed this, but your team kind of did. Basically it's, if it's local, it's in. If it's in yep. Central America, South America, Africa, or Asia, including the uh, Middle East and India. Um, so the subcontinent and then the Middle East, it's in. But like stuff like Europe is out, um, other stuff in other U.S. cities like Atlanta, for example. Yeah. If there's a missionary in Atlanta doing incredible work, although you think that's important, that's not yes. something that Westgate is going to support just because of the 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 higher return on investment or, it, or it, it's just not as, it's just not, so it's not that yeah. those things are wrong. It's just that in terms of return on investment, those are the parameters. Am I missing anything in, in that description? 
Nope, uh, you're right. Uh, what it is is we have to have parameters and, and have guidelines, as we call them our goal board guidelines, which we created uh, and then had the elders uh, vote and uh, adopt as well. Oh. Officially, is that we wanted to have uh, we just we wanted to have a focused approach as well as having uh, kind of be able to vet what things are coming to us a little bit faster. So yeah, yeah we we made our Jerusalem. You know, the Bible says you know, going to Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the world kind of sets its parameters of here, 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 and a little bit wider concentric circles around Jerusalem. And we said, great. Okay. So what we see now is that our Jerusalem, our Judea is pretty much our Bay area and yeah. is Silicon Valley and, and right here. So pretty much the, if you want to take a protractor, if you guys know what those things are and kind of make a little <laughs> circle, uh, it's heck old. I know I'm, I'm an old guy. So and make a little circle around the San Jose, uh, our two churches, about a 20 mile radius is kind of our focus of our local, uh, which basically encompasses Silicon Valley. And then uh, our global, we said, hey, where are the impoverished? Where are the most lost? Where are the unreached, unengaged people groups of our world? And those are really big things. And the majority of those are in this band of window called the 1040 window, which encompasses all of North Africa, all the way through Middle East, all the way through Asia, China, and Japan. That's called the 1040 window. Right. That's where the majority of the lost of our world are in this band um, uh, of the world. It's also where and the majority also, of humans live. <laughs> humans live there as well. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, India and China. And, and right. so, uh, and which are Buddhist and Hindu and, and atheist or communist. So we have the great opportunities to minister to the least reached peoples. Also the most impoverished peoples, which tends right. to be in South right. America and Central America and Africa and other parts as well. We believe that Australia and Europe, Canada and other parts of the U.S. are our first world and have resources within their own means to be able to take care of themselves more. And so, uh, right. you know, Europe already has established churches. They have government support. They have uh, better laws. And so uh, and they are more free when it comes to religion. So there's less uh, financial pressures. And I'm not saying it's easy to be a church or a sure. Christian or ministry there. They have their same problems, just like any church here in America does that struggles to grow or ministry here struggles to grow. Uh, but they have the means to get those resources, whereas we're working in some of the areas that we put wells in. These are places that have never had fresh drinking water. Yeah. They don't have the resources to bring in a rig, a multi-million dollar rig to right. dig a, a, a 150 foot borehole down in the hole in the ground. And so uh, we're able to invest in machines. That, that $10,000 goes really a long way. Exactly. In, in, in those Absolutely. places. Yeah. In yeah. Those. So, okay. yes. So let's talk about real stories because one of the things I love about CI is we get to share real stories of real people in real places. And these are ministry partners. And one of the things that's a little disappointing to me every year is when I go through this, I, re I feel like we run out of time because there's so many stories that we could share. There's so many things. Uh, so as I, I got a chance this year to kind of comb through the missionary reports and kind of look through all these, that was part of, part of my, uh, I got a, I got a chance to do that. I, I just wanted to talk about two things, and then I wanted to hear what you thought. You know, I would yeah. I would love to talk about what kinds of things um, that jumped off the page at you. The first thing was um, the Afghanistan situation. <laughs> yeah. So this was like a movie, and it was really interesting because as Afghanistan was happening, uh, the Taliban was taking over, the U.S. was withdrawing. I, I, I happened to watch the film Argo with my son about mm -hmm. Iran, which mm -hmm. was the U.S. withdrawal there. And I know you, being from Iran, you you kind of, you must have, you were alive at that point and the crumbling and the infrastructure. I was and, not only alive at that point, I think my house was 10 miles or less than 10 miles from the U.S. embassy. So oh my gosh. <laughs> I, was, I was living there when that happened in 1980. 
So we had some missionaries. Well, we're going to have to be careful here because we're not going to use any names. So we're just no. going to call them missionaries because there's some real security issues here. But we had some missionaries that we support in Afghanistan doing some underground house churches stuff and trying to work and build up the Christian community in Afghanistan. Um, there were U.S. expats, but also some other people from other nations. And when it when everything went south and the U.S. withdrew, there was a power vacuum and it turned bad really quick. So why don't you tell a little bit about that? Because I thought that that story, it, it really did kind of resonate to me a little bit like Argo. It was like yeah. there was an evacuation. Um, so you go ahead and tell that. that yeah, there's some crazy stories behind this is, uh, and all true. Uh, is uh, We've been working in Afghanistan, being in the 1040 window and being one of the most lost and, and desperate areas of our world spiritually, we decided to invest. And we had a fellow a minister, a partner there who... Uh, it was ministering, and um, and I can't tell you where he's from or right. if he's in sure. or not, but uh, uh, him and his family were ministering the gospel through uh, the last uh, five, six years, and we've been supporting them very faithfully through many, many, many projects. Uh, when this started coming, and we saw some of the writing on the wall in spring, late spring, early summer, we talked to him and said, you guys may need to evacuate, and you, know, you guys may need to leave. Um, and he said, yeah, we're looking at maybe late August, early September, because the U.S. is supposed to leave September 11th, which was the original date, which was not a smart thing to do. But <laughs> that's what they did. They actually set the date and said, I think it was around September 11th originally uh, or near that. And uh, and so they said, yeah, we're going to we're going to get something towards late August. I said, no, maybe I should go earlier. And we talked about this a little bit. And so luckily, we will get his family out uh, sooner. Uh, he uh, as well. Uh, unfortunately, he also had ministry partners who, uh, because of our giving, had also been supported in some ways. And so this is an organization, not just one person. And so his organization had several members um, who were now there as well. They had plane tickets to go uh, to certain places. And unfortunately, those planes were canceled because of the Taliban's extremely quick, rapid uh, rush throughout all of Afghanistan. They, uh, the airlines freaked out and they basically canceled their flights. Right, so there was no flights had, out, right? They exactly. couldn't, so they couldn't so get out even though they had tickets. And three then of our partners, yeah, exactly, were stuck. Uh, so our friend who has had already left the country and was in safety in a safe zone decided to go back and to try to help those other three leave. And that's wow. when we had to step in financially, spiritually. We were praying behind our behind the scenes. We couldn't share all the details because sure. it was so it's sensitive. On their lives. There was also like, wasn't Legal there leaders. like letters to senators and trying we to get letters to like military convoy is insane. We had it from up and down city, state, as well as federal government officials that we were emailing, that we were talking to. Trying to get these to folks out. Um, and several of them wrote letters on our behalf. Again, I'm not going to name them. Sure, sure. Uh, just for uh, as a thank you for to sure. uh, all who have been trying to help us through this. For sure. Uh, they were very generous. And, and several of them stepped in and realized the severity of this. And there was many senators in many districts who were doing similar things for people that they knew. There's a real threat that the Taliban was going to execute people from the West and who are Christian. That, exactly. that was like, that was not like an outside, uh, a yes. conceivable scenario. So luckily, yeah. I mean, God, it, because God, it, it, God, God intervened and they were, they were able to get out. Uh, yes. It took, it took a while. There's some crazy things happened. It did five or six airport runs stopped by the Taliban rejected oh by gosh. the U S military because they didn't have just the right paperwork or just the right timing. And, the, and right. they had to shut down. I think one of them sadly was in the bombing, uh, was literally, uh, less than 10, 15 feet away from the bomber. Uh, oh, and uh, when the bomb went off at that gate, uh, she, uh, that person said that they were only, they only survived because a soldier stood between them. Are you and the a bomber. serviceman? 
Yes. Wow. Um, and uh, and so falling on them, and as a result, uh, they were saved. Um, and was the soldier uh, hurt? Or the soldier was killed. He was one of the thirteen, I believe. That Shut was. Uh, that oh was my gosh! Killed. So this was pretty. Oh I mean, my it, gosh! They were literally within a minute or two of going through the border. They had already been taken through the U.S. military line, right? And had walked past them when the bomb went off. Oh my gosh! And the, and the person who was walking with her was the one who shielded them from the blast. So this is very personal and intimate to us, and um, we don't have the the soldier's name. Uh, we know it's one of the soldiers that was killed that saved our missionary's life. Um, and we're again so thankful for the amazing work the military did in the end to try to get as many people out as they could. They need to be applauded. They were risking their lives daily sure. yeah. in what they were doing, and some lost their lives. Yeah. I know a lot, of, a lot of the military took a lot of flack for this, but this wasn't their decision. This was the, the decision they had to follow through with, and they did the admirable job of doing this, and they did save many lives. Yeah. So uh, yes, we were able to get them out in twenty in the last uh, month and a half or so. We were able to get the last three out as well. That's amazing. Uh, another story that that really resonated with me, and 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 actually, it's it's kind of a sad story. It's a story of Claudia, um, and she's one of our supportive missionaries and has been for years. Um, she's from, um, she runs an Bolivia. orphanage in Bolivia, and we've mm-hmm. had teams go down there. And this is an incredible project. Um, she goes into the streets and gets um, street children and children who are orphaned, and they estimate there's more than ten thousand orphan kids in the capital city at any of- given time. Yes, and this is a very cold capital. It's a, right. it's about. Uh, 10,000 uh, feet up in the air. Right. It, higher than Lake Tahoe. I mean, we're talking right. and, and uh, at the airport, you land is about 12, 13,000 feet. Right, so right. Uh, yes, Claudia and her ministry uh, for over the last 25 years now, they drive the street several days a week at night in vans and cars. They look for street children who are shivering in the cold and hiding in, under rocks and trees and bushes and uh there's so many street kids unfortunately because of drug use because of gang wars because of uh just terrible decisions the parents have made that have to they ended up being abandoned on the street or just running away from abuse in their homes and they go and ask these kids if they want a a meal if they want some clothes if they want uh, an opportunity and they ask them if they say yes they they take them back they go through the legal channels to almost adopt basically all of these children and so uh, they've been doing this for over 20 years. Over 20,000 kids have gone through their program in some way, shape, or form, short-term or long-term living. Uh, they have kids from as young as six months old, one year old in their program, uh, all up and through uh, 2022 when they go through college and they support them that way as well. So a beautiful ministry that's yeah. been uh, honored to come alongside for, for numerous years now. And her husband was, he worked for a telecom a firm. He, he was kind of a kind of a, a mover and shaker in Bolivia in business, went to New York for a conference in uh, February of 2020. And uh, that was unbeknownst to anybody, the beginning of the super spreader event that kind of radiated out into New York. It actually, he came back to Bolivia. Um, Claudia's husband actually passed away. Um, They just didn't have oxygen. They didn't know what COVID was or what, how to, how to treat it. There weren't ventilators. There weren't um, in, in, in where they were. And even though we had money and even though we were, you were, I know you were trying to give them more money to get, there just wasn't a good enough hospital to get um to get him get him well they had the resources yes he was he and his family claudia has worked with this organization started this organization she'd never taken a salary uh her husband supported everything that she did and she never took a dime for herself uh as a result of that and uh what a blessing they've been and yes richie uh unfortunately was a part of this tech conference in new york that was a huge huge area of spread 
Um, and I believe he was the first or second diagnosed case of COVID in the entire country and the yeah. first or second di- death in the country yeah. as well. Um, not because of a, a lack of money, because they had the resources. They just didn't have they didn't the know. proper information. Yeah. They didn't right. know what to do with people with COVID. Right. And right. he unfortunately died suffocating oh, uh, in the hospital. Uh, so painful to see Claudia go through this and yet not want to give up. She st- still fought for these kids. She now had to raise even more funds because, like I said, they supported a lot of the ministry themselves. This yeah. is a ministry of love. Not, not only did they did she give her time, full-time life to this ministry, they gave a much of their wealth and resources to support this ministry as well. So such faithful believers. In and this, just to in this listen community. to and read her words about how, what this past year has been. And then um, her husband's brother, who was the pastor of their local church, also contracted COVID, and he also died. And so it was like this uh, multi- grief upon grief upon sorrow upon sorrow and to hear and listen to her words as she talks about jesus and the hope and what her mission in life to serve these children uh man i it was it's just incredible and i remember reading these stories and reading her words and the verses in the bible that um she clung to and i was just like i i don't i don't even I'm not even in the same category of Christian as this woman. This this None woman is incredible. It is pretty. Just it a is pretty beautiful crazy. story. It is. Uh, it is beautiful. Uh, it was actually her her sister's husband, who's the pastor of her church. Oh, uh, her okay. Brother, uh, husband's brother, uh, who was the brother-in-law, who passed away, and he. I'd met him as well. I'd met Richie uh, and their whole family went out went out there and visited, uh, and, and I also met. Mauricio, who was the pastor of the church and also an incredibly giving, kind-hearted, missional person. He had gone on numerous mission trips, uh, smuggling Bibles into closed countries in, in the Middle East, believe it or not. I mean, wow. this guy's a faithful guy serving in, 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 in both South America and the Middle East with his passion. Younger man as well, in good shape. But uh, COVID unfortunately got him and the, uh, at that time they didn't have the vaccinations or, or still medications right. and, and treatment was not as good. Unfortunately, right, this was right. this past summer, June, July of 2021 and he passed away and you would think after losing two people to COVID, you would just kind of get angry at god and say maybe maybe i don't want to do this anymore it's the opposite they want to take on more kids they want to serve more they want to give more they want to figure out how to rescue more children and so uh yes i agree with you Uh, very few of us have the faithfulness and dedication uh that that some of our missionaries do and that's why they make us so much of a better church we are able to support incredible work incredible people uh incredible hearts and we are being changed by that when we learn their stories and we realize their sacrifice we look at our circumstances and sometimes can say god thank you for blessing us sorry that we complain so much we can do more and better for you when we see so many others doing so much in their suffering what stories um just over this past year jumped out at you as you think because you you have you hold these stories not just in your head, but personally, I mean, you know, these folks, you visit these folks, you visit these folks, this is part of part of your life. What stories jump out to you as you look back over 2020, 2021, which was the height of the pandemic, really, is what it was. And it we, was, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we have, um, you know, God opened up doors through the pandemic, not closed doors. Uh, and uh, our faithful missionaries served in some difficult areas that had lack of food, lack of medicine, vaccines, or even medications. And we have missionaries who serve in closed countries that are fairly angry about Christianity. And these Christians stood up and said, we'll feed, we'll, 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 we will provide vaccines, we will provide and medicines, blankets and oil and whatever that they need to, to sustain their families during this tough time. Uh, one, in Afghanistan, just go back to that real quick. 
the three months or so that they were stuck from August through uh, December when they were finally able to get out, they didn't just hide in an in underground bunker. They went out and they served the community. They passed out uh, wood and uh, for fireplaces and they've passed out, uh, you know, food and blankets and oil, uh, cooking oil and, and, and heating oil. Yeah, people gave our missionaries gave more through this pandemic time sometimes than they had before open opportunities that opened up you got to uh, see another, it just you saw over and over again in the reports everybody had to pivot almost yep. everyone had to pivot and they pivoted toward compassion and stuff like food medicine water security you know those kinds of things because yep. those yep. are what were needed but it wasn't just oh here's some food it was also there's also a giant existential crisis of it who's God, the suffer, the human suffering. And that's where the Jesus part comes in yep. to uh, God has not abandoned us. He is with us. He is good. There is hope. So both of those, you know, problem areas of humanity, both of the lack of food and water and, 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 and medicine, but also the existential things that all humans go through loss and grief and suffering. These missionaries were able to do kind of both in tandem. It was really a, a beautiful pivot. It is. And it has been, you know, that God says, you know, uh, God works all things for the good of those who love him. Right. Romans eight twenty eight is a, is a famous verse in our Bible. And it's true as we love him and as we pray and ask God, um, you know, he, he answers in different creative ways and awesome ways, even through the toughest of times, even when we lose things, even when we've had tremendous loss and grief in our lives. Uh, the earthquake is another example where we saw this happen as well. We never realized when we started a university back in 2012. We're talking about, in Haiti. We're talking about in Haiti. about Haiti. Yeah. Yeah. In Haiti, there was a, obviously there was a presidential assassination. There was civil unrest for last year and a half. The president was shot and killed. Um, and then an earthquake hits. Uh, <laughs> earthquake and the president's shooting was within one month of That's each other. That's right, yeah. And, uh, I mean, this country's in disaster mode. And the moment that earthquake hit, our missionaries mobilized in Haiti, mobilized to send doctors, over a dozen doctors and nurses, uh, to place that even the government couldn't get to. Uh, we had missionary airplane company that decided to fly them for free. Um, and so this missions aviation group decided to take them for free there, they took boxes of whatever medicines and bandages and serious surgeries uh, equipment as well, whatever they could take with them, they did. And they were there uh, in less than 40 hours from the time the earthquake hit. They were there in the center of it, taking people out of rubble, had a makeshift hospital that they built. And to look back now to say what you guys gave Westgate in 2012 resulted in lives being saved in 2021 is remarkable. Yeah. It's powerful to see. We yeah. have the third graduating class of doctors this year. From uh, Haiti, the second, from, the, from the Mont from, Premier. From, yeah. from the Mont Premier's University, because yeah. they have doctors, nurses, teachers, Agriculture, farmers, farmers uh, yeah. And, and pastors who come out of this. this minute. So five different majors that come out of this university. Um, they have had two graduating classes uh, of about uh, eight to 15 or so. This is the third graduating class. So they took these doctors and some of the teachers who are doctors and they all flew together. How cool is that to see this happen in real time and be able to say, we're not, we don't, we're not equipped to do this disaster relief as a church to immediately be in the needs and take care of medical stuff. Um, but we don't they, were. but they were, they were, <laughs> they were totally ready. Yeah. And, and we were if, ready. If you were to try to send the team from America, it, oh, it would take Day, a week, week. Yeah, mean, yeah they were there before the red cross was there they were there it's before any u.s entities were there so how cool is that, that, that what we gave in 2012 is seeing fruit now even yeah. tremendously lives saved and i'm sure in jesus name they know these are christian doctors right yeah and yeah. how cool is it they prayed for people and i'm going to share that story as well as some pictures not some of the gruesome pictures they did send me some gruesome yeah pictures. yeah 
I, I'm a little squeamish, and as yeah, they were telling the stories, I was folks, like, "Oh, I, I can't." I, I put the, the tamer pictures. In yeah, there, but they were, they were doing some serious, serious surgery. Literally things. saving lives. Literally they saving were. lives. Yeah. Well, I know, Kayvon, you gotta you gotta get going. Uh, but I, we could probably talk for another 40, 50 minutes just uh, with, just with everything. <laughs> um, what do you have final thoughts? How how has this past year bolstered your your faith? I know a lot of people are, are you know, it was a hard year, but mm-hmm. I, 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 this is going to sound strange. I felt like you, you're always optimistic, but I felt like you got to see some stuff that made you even more optimistic that Jesus and his church is the hope of the world. Uh, how mm-hmm. did you talk to me about how this past year affected you and your, just your personal faith and your belief in, in the church of Jesus? Absolutely. I'm always growing in my faith. I feel I have so much growth to do in my life. And even the circumstances of, of, of this past couple of years, I've been asking God, you know, God, how, how, how are you shaping me in, the, in all of this? You know, yes, I am an optimist. Yes, I do see things glass half full almost all the time. And it's annoying to my glass half empty <laughs> people. I understand. Yeah. But um, it's just how God built me. It's yeah. to see the goodness, to see even a little bit of light in darkness, um, you know, that there's a little trickle of of, of, a, of, a, of a star or a moonlight, even in the darkest night. And that for me has been uh, what COVID has been for, uh, it's been dangerous for our missionaries to serve in some of the places they have. It's been difficult for some of our friends right here in the Bay Area to serve in, in, in first responder positions as well. And my job, I was, uh, you know, didn't have those dangers, uh, being able to work primarily from home in some of the, the worst months. Um, but I wanted to be, I wanted to be out there and we wanted to feed people. We wanted to touch people. We wanted to shake hands and, uh, you know, when possible, give hugs because the, the touch, the human touch was what was hurting people uh, so much, not just the pandemic itself, but how isolation, the loneliness. Yeah. The sense exactly. of, yeah. So even with what I do outside of Westgate with my nonprofit uh, uh, compassion bridges, we said, what if we just fed people and uh, we didn't know how to do it. We didn't know what to do. Uh, what if we just gathered food. Some Westgaters came alongside of me and said, Hey, we want to help either sponsor with food or help give food out. And we started a food pantry in East San Jose, basically serving schools, um, Alam Rock School District, and Eastside Union High School District. Uh, we did uh, over a dozen food outreaches and, uh, you know, serving families from 50 to 400. Um, and, you know, this is just what you do when, when things hit and it's unexpected. Um, you just ask God, what now, God, what now, yeah. what can we do now? What, how can we serve now? Here I am, Lord, send me. Type what are message, the needs right? and how can we, and, do, what can we and, do? Yep. And, and it may not be our expertise, right? I'm not a food pantry, pantry <laughs> leader. I've never I hadn't done that. And, uh, but yet we do things that we don't, aren't trained for uh, when the time hits. And I think that's yeah. what the church can do. The church, all of us as a body of Christ that uh, can do things. We may not be, uh, we may be ill-equipped for, uh, but through the power and grace of the Holy Spirit and God, he's the one who empowers he's the one who gives the vision he's the one who supports he's the one who will do the work through us and we just have to be willing hands right we just yeah. have to say god I, I may not be perfect christian hey I, I may not be the most faithful christian god i may not uh be the most all-knowing christian of all those verses in the bible and that's okay god's not looking for those who are smart christians he's looking for the faithful right he's working yeah. for he's looking for the available he's looking for the teachable he's looking for those who are willing to give any amount of time for his kingdom causes and not just focus on themselves. And that's, I've, I've felt, I've, I've tried that with my family. We've tried to do some things as a family unit uh, to bless folks uh, uh, with our with our treasures, with our time. 
Uh, and so I'm thankful that we've uh, been able to stay fairly healthy throughout all of this, yeah. uh, but be able to give back because so many more people were hurting so much more than we were. And, and, and that is something that God says to whom much is given much is expected. And that's what we feel like, right? We we've yeah. been given a lot as, as Westgate as a church and, and, and God expects more out of us as well. And we need to take up that mantle. Thank God and use our time and resources as wisely as possible. I believe the verse is, with great power comes great responsibility. No, wait, that's Spider-Man. No, same thing. <laughs> that's true. There, there's that one, too. That's a, same thing, same thing. Hey, Kayvon, thanks a, thanks a ton uh, for being with us, but also just thanks for championing uh, just this aspect of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You've, you've run with this value in our church, and it's part of your job, but, man, I'm just grateful for you as a as a friend and as a, as a co-laborer. Um, you... Yeah, your, your, your relentless optimism and um, your experience uh, doing this, doing good at being good at doing good um, has been really cool. So thanks for this. We look forward to more CI. Let's keep talking about more stories. Okay. Well, let's, let's make this a semi-regular part of uh, the afterward because there's afterward, too many good absolutely. stories. All right. I'll be back. All right, Let man. Know when. All, All right. right we'll talk care. to you soon. All right. Bye. Just want to say thanks to Kayvon Tarani for stopping by. Uh, always great talking to you. Join us next week where we'll be talking with our local Compassion Pastor, Finney Abraham. We're going to be in part two of Compassion Immersion. Finney's going to talk about all the amazing things that he saw in the local sphere right here in San Jose. And I'm going to also try to have some members of his team talk about the kinds of things they saw in 2020 to 2021, kind of at the height of the pandemic. Some amazing stories there too. So don't miss that. Just as kind of cave on focus on the global stories, Finney has some incredible stories here locally. So don't miss that. And we'll see you next week.